In May of 2008, a Swedish identical twin named Ursula Eriksson left her home in the United States Mm -hmm. to visit her sister Sabina, who was, at the time, living in County Cork, Ireland. Mm. Yes, very uh, exotic. Mm. (laughs) On the 16th of May, the twins journeyed from Ireland to Liverpool, arriving on the morning of Saturday the 17th and making their way to the local police station, where Sabina made a report regarding concerns for the welfare of her children back in Ireland. Okay. They then continued on toward London on a National Express coach, uh, but they were kicked off the coach for acting erratically and refusing to put their luggage in the hold or let the driver search the luggage. Okay. Concerned that they might have, like, explosives in it, the driver called the <laughs> yeah. police. Sure. Um, but after a conversation, the police determined the women weren't, like, an imminent threat, and they let them go. Okay. What happened next was caught not only on CCTV footage, but also by pure happenstance by the crew of the UK show Traffic Cops, which is basically the exact same thing as our cops. But they just British pull people and over for traffic. traffic violations? Yeah. <laughs> it's very specific cops. Oh, sounds so boring. Okay, but sure. It really does. But I never understood the thing about cops yeah. anyway. Uh, but yeah, so... This is what the show is, and they happen to have been, like, the responders to this call. So these sisters Uh have been released by the police, and they headed for the M6 highway on foot. They were caught on camera, hoofing it down the median, and then then suddenly they make a break for it across the super busy highway. I cannot stress to you enough that... Everything that unfolds here is caught on camera. Okay. And you can watch all of this on YouTube. Okay. I've linked to it in the blog. Okay. There's like tons of stuff about this. Yeah. Um, so Sabina is grazed by a car as they attempt to dart across. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and Sorry, how big tra- are we talking? Are we talking like the 405? This is like, I mean, it's it's Britain, so nothing's the 405, but oh, let's okay. say the 101. Okay. 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 Yeah. Like maybe, you know, yeah. Maybe Let, two lanes on each side, maybe. Like, yeah, maybe three, four, okay. like okay. somewhere in that, that okay. sort of vicinity. Okay. Um, so they, uh, they dart across this. Sabina is clipped. Um, and you see these traffic cops getting the call about this, right? And they're expecting to come across sort of like this grisly scene. You know, sure. they've just heard these two women darted across the highway. One of them was hit, you know. They arrive, and they find the twins just having, like, a casual chat and a smoke with the first responders. Like, nothing seems to physically be wrong. They're just standing there, and they're like, you know, just chill. Sure. Whatever. Normal Thursday for them, apparently. Yeah, right? Like, it's... Yeah. It happens. Sometimes you got to run across the M6. Uh, And then, out of nowhere, Ursula makes a break for it and runs back into the road into the path of an oncoming truck. And we're talking like, like a semi, like a big truck. Okay. And she basically, she runs straight into the side of this truck. Oh. I'm sorry, and... that's not funny, but. <laughs> I mean, like, you know. Okay, sorry. So the truck <laughs> didn't hit her. Into a truck is always she, a funny image. She, she hit, hit the, the truck. truck. Okay. She hit the truck. Sorry, that's not funny. You're right. But then the truck, like, once she hits it, rolls over her legs, just absolutely Ooh. crushing them. Ooh. Which, huh, gross. Um, a moment later, like, they're all, like, you see all these cops and bystanders and everything, and they're like, wow, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck? You know, like, why 
Why did you, you were safe, you were fine, you crossed the street, you're good. Why did you do that? And then Sabina's like, oh, gotta go. And she does it too. She goes and runs Wait, out into the road. Did she get hit earlier? She got hit earlier, but, she, but she was fine. Oh, okay. When you said clipped, I figured her hip or something was like a no-go. So she's also exactly. walking. So she runs into traffic also. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing is the cops were like, oh, this woman's probably like Her. totally smashed. Okay. And she was fine just smoking a cigarette and being like, okay, oh, it's okay. But after Ursula runs back into the path and hits the truck slash is crushed by truck, Sabina runs out and is immediately hit by a Volkswagen, which straight up launches her. <gasps> like, just, I mean... Up and over? <laughs> just straight up, like, she... You know? Like, ragdoll. <laughs> ragdoll is thrown by Ooh, this thing. And okay. her body smashes the windshield. If you see, like, oh, the front of this car, you would be like, yeah, yeah, she did. And that the cops are calling it in, like, uh, pretty sure these broads are dead. Yeah. But they're not. Uh, Sabina wakes up 15 minutes later and starts clawing and spitting at the officers who are trying to help her. Crushed They're leg like, girl? She's the other one. Ursula's crushed legs. She's kind of down for the count at this point. Okay. You know, she's yeah, she's not. Like, yeah. You know, legs she's are not going okay. anywhere. So <laughs> up and over but ragdoll girl is like. Ragdoll girl, yeah. She wakes up okay. and she's like, bah! she's screaming, she's screaming at them that they're not real, that they're going to steal her organs. And then she manages to get the fuck back up and starts running. A cop grabs her. She turns around, punches her in the face. <gasps> Sabina punches the cop in the face, right? <laughs> and runs back across the other side of the highway. Oh my God, stop doing that. Yeah, like no more. Don't do this. This is a terrible choice. But there's nowhere for her to go from there. So they finally manage to get her and they cuff her and she's fighting them off like she's got that like extremist serum from Iron Man 3. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, there's just way too much strength. There's six people trying to subdue her here, like, and carry her back over to the car. Across traffic? Still? Well, I mean, they've stopped all the traffic at this point. Oh, sure, okay. nobody's going anywhere okay. that is straight just, up okay. stuff well, that's good i guess they bring her back they sedate her they manage to bring both ursula and sabina to the hospital okay and so ursula is admitted for her crushed legs like i said she's not going anywhere <laughs> sure. well. sabina again chill as fuck like nothing ever happened she's like in, in the waiting room she's fine no apparent injuries she's flirting with an officer she's acting totally normal just like yeah, that's you know? totally normal behavior. Right. You know, like, no one why? flirts with officers? Come on. Yeah, and they're like, she's acting basically like either she doesn't remember what happened or like she's just unfazed by it. And they're like, okay. Um, so they put her in jail overnight. She pleads guilty in the morning to punching the officer and trespassing on the freeway. And then she's sent on her merry way. They're like, one night was enough, uh, and you can go on. Which, like, kudos, right? Like, in America, she would have been sitting in jail for ages just waiting Uh, to get a trial. Or at least (laughs) some sort of, like, assessment. That's the thing. Like, for whatever reason, they didn't do any form of psych evaluation. Sure, because, oh, because she was chill after? I was like, sure, but she also ran across traffic. Twice. Like, clearly, yeah. she's not actually chill. Right. <laughs> like, that should be extremely clear. So for whatever reason, they didn't do a psych evaluation, and they just let her go. Hmm. But and, and, and they just release her into Stoke-on-Trent, the town they were in. But keep in mind, she's not from there. Yeah, she's 
was living in America, right? She's the American one? Yeah, she's, or no, or, she's the one who was in, from Ireland, right? Sorry, or sorry, sorry. living in Ireland. Okay. They're both from Sweden. Yeah. She lives in Ireland. Okay. She has been released into Stoke-on-Trent. Uh, and to make matters worse, she's carrying her stuff, including a laptop and a grand in cash, in a clear plastic bag they'd given her at a police at the police station. So you know when they like take your stuff into yeah. evidence? Sure. They just gave it back to her right. in a clear plastic bag and were like, bye, let her out into the street. Okay. So she comes upon two men, Glenn Hollinshead and Peter Malloy, who then she'd asked them, like, is there an Airbnb near here? And they were like, <laughs> no, uh, but you can, like, stay at Glenn's house because uh, she was clearly just, like, wandering. Sure. understandably she was a little sketched out like men invite you to stay at their house like you know you should be a little wary but clearly nice guys she went once there she was acting real weird and paranoid and at one point like she gave the guys cigarettes but then she snatched them back before they could light them saying they might be poisoned right? so she was like real weird paranoia happening sure and they're like uh -huh. we immediately regret all of the decisions yeah, we've like, made. This may have been a poor choice. <laughs> In an interview I watched, like, the uh, Peter Malloy was talking about it, and he was kind of like, you know, like, Glenn, this is... It's she's clearly got something wrong. This is maybe not a good idea. But Glenn's like, she's, like, in trouble. She needs help. You know, oh, what no. are we going to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can see where this is going. Um, so she stayed the night there, uh, and the next day... Glenn was making dinner for them, and he went out and said, asked the neighbor uh, if he had any tea bags. Um, and so he came back inside with the tea bags. About a minute later, he stumbled back out to the neighbor uh, and said that Sabina had stabbed him. And his last words were, look after my dog for me. And then he died. Yeah. Like, Glenn... You were too good sweet, for this sweet Glenn. Hey, Glenn. She's trying to be so he just, nice. He just wanted to take care of this poor Swedish woman. Mm. Um, and so once again, Sabina took off, this time wielding a hammer and periodically hitting herself with it as she ran sure. down the road. Yeah. Well, okay. You gotta. Sure, why a not? Driver I mean, stopped. at this point, what? <laughs> Nothing Sabina does surprises us yeah. at this point in the story. Um, a driver stopped and tried to pry the hammer from her hand, and she hit him nice. with a roof tile she had in her pocket. No! I'm sorry. I refuse. I First of all, have what kind of pants was she possibly wearing that fit a piece this of roof tile? This is what I was wondering. How did 2008? she get a roof tile? You're kidding me. She's not like she's wearing Janko jeans. This isn't, you know, maybe 96. Is, maybe. No, absolutely not. There's no way a roof tile piece is just like, what, jutting out of her back pocket? I can yeah, barely I fit, like, a hair tie and chapstick in my lady pockets. That sounded... I'm glad you're on the same page as me, because that's exactly what I thought. That's like, my line. I read this, I'm I sorry. Was like... The rest of the story was fine. I was with you until then. Now I know you're lying <laughs> Now this me. is extremely far-fetched. <laughs> yeah. But, Kristen, this is on CCTV, too. Oh, Everything that happened in is. this was caught on camera, which makes sense, because Mark did say in an earlier episode that uh, the UK is covered in CCTV. They yeah. love their surveillance there. So yeah, you do anything, cool. it's gonna be on camera. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so she hits this guy with a roof tile and once more fled. Sure. Found a bridge. Oh God. Leaped 40 feet onto the A50 highway. No. Broke both her ankles and fractured her skull. Ooh. She lived? She lived. Fucking she hell. She didn't get up this time though. Sure. She, 
this time she was not superhuman. They just put her she in a bed arrested. next to her sister with the crushed leg. Now neither of them can walk? Yeah, pretty oh much. Okay. Uh, she was arrested and served about two years for manslaughter with diminished capacity. Okay. And I guess hasn't been heard from again since her release in 2011. I guess that's good. No, Kristen. Oh, no. You're probably asking yourself, what the fuck? <laughs> what happened here? This strange series of events was attributed to what is often called folie à deux, a French phrase meaning essentially madness shared by two. Ooh. The more, yeah, right? The twin, more scientific twin term. Twin madness. Twin madness. The more scientific term used by psychologists is shared psychotic disorder or induced delusional disorder. Um, neither appear in the DSM-5 it would likely be called delusional disorder mm -hmm. at this point, but it is a real thing. So Sabina's defense argued that she was the secondary partner in a case of folia due, meaning Ursula was the one who initially suffered the delusion and Sabina took it on. So something snapped in Ursula. She was having a delusion. People were after her, whatever, uh, and Sabina. So they fled to the to most surveilled city country. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> naturally. Totally naturally it makes, makes total sense. sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. I tracking. have a feeling they probably didn't know that. Um, <laughs> according to Dr. Todd Grande, uh, often secondary partners have comorbidities that make them more susceptible to this, like mental illness, intellectual disabilities, substance abuse issues, cognitive disorders, language difficulties, and things like that. Okay. People who experience folia do have a strong relationship and are generally isolated in some ways. So usually these things occur between like close siblings, like twins, okay. or a husband and wife, uh, very closely bonded teenagers, things like that. Oh, these are, you know. Slender Man Girls. Yes, Slender Man Girls is considered to be a case of folia do. Exactly. Um, so, and then this like isolation sense of this, this like either an us against the world, or if for some reason they are pushed away from being able to interact with people, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and folia do is one of the very rare mental illnesses that actually does often come with criminality. Cause you know, a lot of times people right. like just say like, Oh, so-and-so like murdered someone. They're mentally ill. Yeah. Like that's not yeah, how that, that works. Right. <laughs> Mentally ill people are much more likely to have violence perpetrated against them mm -hmm. than to be, be violent. violent. Right. But folia do often gets very, very violent and is connected to a whole lot of homicide. Odd. Yeah. Dr. Grande thinks this might be precisely because of the isolation that usually leads to its occurrence. He likens it to delusions someone experiences in solitary confinement in prison, which might drive them to violence. Mm. He said often for whatever reason, people experiencing folia do are isolated in a way that almost replicates the prison experience. So okay. life for them is like prison, okay. causing them to react in these violent ways through these delusions. Uh, further, separation or fear of separation can be a big part of the reason for things to get violent, which in this case, you've got the case of Ursula and Sabina. Now, Ursula is in the hospital. Sabina has been separated from the other partner, and she goes and she kills somebody. Right, but couldn't she have just gone to the hospital? Maybe they don't let them in. I don't oh, know. I don't know okay. if they just let... I just feel like in. I understand if they're like feeding it's off each other. Thing, like that's yeah. why they follow each other into traffic. Like that makes sense. But I was like, but then once right. she's like laid up, I kind of feel like I'd be like, yeah, just go sit with her. Yeah, let's just. I guess I'll just convalesce with you, and we'll. I don't know. 
Yeah, anyway. that would have been probably a better choice. Well, obviously. But not that she's making... <laughs> yeah, she was a real great, you know, choice maker. Yeah, she wasn't apparently. exactly thinking yeah. <laughs> completely clearly Yes, I'm in trying to give whole... her a lot of, like, why weren't you making yeah. better choices? Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, crimes, <clears throat> crimes committed by people experiencing folia do tend to end up with them not having any remorse at all. Um, even if it's someone in their family they kill, they will, like, be pretty blank about it. They don't hide yeah. their crimes, and they tend to be excessively violent, like, very brutal murders mm. instead of just sort of, like, and then they went and shot someone. Like, they yeah. will overkill. They'll kill stab someone. somebody. Yeah, just, like super super gank them over and over again Mm. and there are apparently four kinds of this so there's imposed psychosis which is a delusion passed to someone who is mentally sound they have no disorders beforehand and once you separate the primary and secondary partner the delusions disappear okay then there's communicated psychosis where the secondary partner initially will resist the primary's ideas be like that's crazy i don't believe this right but then over time, they adopt that system of ideas, not only containing the initial delusion that that person had, but then taking on elements of their own personality and distorting that delusion as well. And then there's simultaneous psychosis, which appears at the same time in both people, usually after an event with depressive features to it. For example, siblings when a parent dies might trigger a simultaneous psychosis. And then the fourth kind is induced psychosis, where both start off psychotic, Mm -hmm. and the primary introduces new delusional ideas to the secondary. Um, I'm not exactly sure which of these they fall under, but, you know, it's interesting to see. I mean, supposedly, um, Sabina did not have any mental illnesses beforehand, but who knows? Maybe there's just nothing diagnosed, Mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. Um, According to one site... Quote, an extensive review of the literature reveals cases of folie à trois, folie à quatre, folie à famille, in which the entire family member, family, uh, experiences this. And even in case, a case involving a dog. It didn't elaborate on this. And I am very curious. Sorry, about the dog was killed or the dog. dog got crazy with the person. I'm, it seems to be saying that the dog also experienced. No. Okay. Why didn't Folia you tell me that yeah. story? Why are you just dangling <laughs> that out It wasn't available to me. This is all the information. Let's contact the person who mentioned it. Who was it? What's their name? I do have the link in our blog. So, you okay. know, uh, I'm going to reach out. I'll, let's that reach out. out. They must yeah. know. They can't just say that and then move on. Yeah. And then just, that's the thing is I was like, oh, I'm sure that this will then go on to say oh more. God. Yeah. And then it did not. I do think it had a footnote, though. So, you know, maybe we can revisit that at a later date. Okay. But, uh, Kristen, I guess the moral of the story is don't get too close to anybody or they might make you jump in front of traffic. Mm. Yeah, for, yeah, I've had a nickel for every time I said that. Anytime somebody <laughs> wants to like go out with me, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to get too close to you because I'm afraid you're going to make me run into traffic. And that's just not my jam. <laughs> I like both my legs. They're my best feature. <laughs> You do have great legs, Kristen. Thank you. <laughs> Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. 
I think you feel great about it. Welcome, everybody, to Jack of All Graves. I don't know what episode it is, but this time... The one uh, after the last. The one after the last one. Uh, And Mark is away on vacay, if you did not notice the lack of Mark's voice in the intro. Or holiday, as he says, which I just find very adorable. How cute was that? I was like... do British people not say vacation at no, all? They say holiday, and I think well, it's adorable. Well, I know adorable. they say holiday. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I haven't polled even... every British person to see if they use the word vacation. They well, usually can use you? Them. That seems like a lot of work. I'm not going to do that. Like a lot of work. It's this is actually a thing I was thinking about after I watched this little video earlier. Is like you always hear holiday. <clears throat> I've never heard a British person say on vacation. Yeah. And then I was like, do they say that? Why I don't do they say that? Well. Our token, right, we'll our it. token person that we would ask is not here. Is not he's here on holiday. So <laughs> he is actively right now ah. on holiday, camping in uh, beautiful Wales with his uh, family, Fun. having a good old time, um, seeing our listener and friend Lee and his family and all that stuff. So we wish him the best of times. But uh, in his place today. We have brought back the amazing, inimitable Kristen Lateral. Oh, hello. You said a minute. You said a minute. You said a. Oh, I can't say that word. I was going to try and do it. Never mind. Can you sing it if you. I can't. So I. No, that's the problem. And that's how I learned I can't say that word is because I can't sing that song. Because every time he does it, I like stumble (laughs) and I sound like I have a really bad speech impediment. In the version that's on the Hamilton mixtape, the. Who sings that? Uh, I can't remember who does the cover version of that on the Usher, I think. I was going to say Usher, but then I was like, did I make that up? But anyway, he says, I am an inimitable. And I'm like, that really doesn't need another syllable. Yeah, I was like, there's already too much there. Anyway, all (laughs) that to say is thank you. That was a lovely thing to say. Thank you. Oh, well, you know, and I meant it with all of my heart. Um, Kristen was here. You may remember talking about her experience watching Child's Play. Yeah, really uh, backed myself into a corner with that one. eh? (laughs) I can't tell you how. Corey, I have this great idea for your podcast. (laughs) You should totally have some idiot do this. Yeah, her. It was her idea in the first place to have people on here to talk about their experiences watching horror for the first time, which we do need to get back to because it's been a minute since we've uh, subjected someone and I loved to it. it. But yes, Kristen watched Child's Play. Mark references your, um, he's huge. All he was huge. The time. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chucky was a little bigger than Kristen was expecting. You uh, if you haven't heard that one, go on back and check it out. It was delightful. Um, and Kristen uh, and I podcasted for many years on the Electric Fan Cave. So seasoned professional. <laughs> sure. Over sure, here. if that's what we want to do. This week... I posted about a book that I found in a bookstore, an adorable bookstore in Rhode Island, while I was on holiday (gasps) this past week, um, visiting Duncan and his family. Duncan Duncan was here for his... Duncan (laughs) Funkin. Duncan, you might recognize from our wrestling episode. Excuse me, Duncan. I'm sorry. Dr. Duncan Funkin. (laughs) How dare you forget the honorific. Um, so I went to a very cute bookstore and there they had a book by the author Grady Hendrix, uh, called the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. And it just so happens that our dear friend Ryan had just interviewed Grady Hendrix on her podcast through her bookstore, Gibson's Bookstore out of New Hampshire, uh, the Laydown Mm -hmm. podcast. So I thought, hey... 
why don't we book club this? We can read this book. We can all listen to the laydown and then we can talk about it. You're on board. Right? I'm very on board. I love doing homework. So you had me from like the get go. <laughs> like true. anyone want a book club? I'm like, yeah, what's the book? Yeah. What is it? Who cares? It I maybe matter. should have thought a little bit more about it, but the cover didn't look too gory. So I was like, maybe it's not too no. scary. And usually vampires have like, it's like, you know, hint of romance with it. So I thought maybe it wouldn't Ooh, be too bad. Who good. knows? Maybe it'll be very traumatic. So far, <laughs> I did start it. I started it. Um, and it did have one part that's kind of got me freaked out, but it has nothing to do with like the topic. It was literally like a throwaway sentence and I can't stop thinking about it. So, oh no. <laughs> yeah. One of you the characters found a snake was? in her toilet. And that's like one oh, of my biggest ooh. fears, which is like so, st- it's like one of my most irrational fears yeah. of like something crawling up and like biting me in the ass. <laughs> anyway, I was like, oh my God, it does happen. This lady has a snake in her toilet. And so now, so like oh. legit the whole, after I read that line, I like go to the bathroom. I was like, check in before I go and I was like being really fast and standing up you know sorry my internet went out for a second that's fine I was like that's a great story why isn't she laughing I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I was like that is a very irrational fear Kristen yeah it's not it's even cool. funny that's cool yeah anyway so so far already scared of this book it hasn't even gotten to anything great. like actually scary yet. although that's wonderful that's anyway continue I like it so far I really like his writing yeah so. I started I haven't started this one yet I because I'm reading a different one of his books that I think is like sort of a prequel yes, to this one. It is, but it's not. You don't have to read yeah, it in order to not. understand you don't this have one. To read them. Which yeah, I was so worried I'm when just, I read that. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, do I got to go read that book first? <laughs> no, but since I had already started it, I was like, okay, I'm going to finish this one. I'd gotten it from the library. Um, and then I'll, I'll go right into that one. So we're book clubbing it. I posted it on the Jack of All Graves Instagram, got some interest. So we're getting a posse together. We'll Zoom it. We'll do book club. If you're interested, let me know. And then I will sort of like workshop a few dates out um that might work for it Yay. and we can all get together and talk about a book which is wonderful and fun um and also you know just get people listening to the lay down which is such a charming adorable podcast um that you should check out anyway so keep your is ryan gonna do the podcast with out. us not to like yeah, put her on yeah, front she's street, gonna I book guess. club with I should have like so. guilt her into it. I'm like, no, you have to do this book club. You've done the podcast. You work at a bookstore. What's wrong with you? Anyway. No, I believe she already tweeted yes. that she would be a okay, part good. of Sweet. this book club. So yeah, Sweet. we will we'll be joined by Ryan. It'll be a really good time. Yay. Um, oh, I'm so, so yeah, excited. Get on that. Oh, Let me know you if you're guys. interested so that I can make sure to tag you if you want to be on board um, with this as we choose it. So yeah, we are going to do that. Um Kristen. Have you watched anything interesting this week? Oh, Corian, when have I not watched something interesting? Now, I will <laughs> preface this by saying that okay. my <laughs> watching thing, the things that I watch are not necessarily the, like, in line with what you guys probably talk about. So, um, <laughs> I watch a lot of Spanish period dramas. So, yeah, I love yeah, them. I just really watched do. a really good one on Netflix. Um, so The Cook of Castamar. So if anybody wants to watch that, I highly it recommend it. It doesn't even sound real. It, just, it sounds straight made up. Like, it's if not someone, made up. It's so good. It's like a Jane the Virgin you guys, you know, telenovela. The like. drama. Yeah, no, you got to watch it. It's so good. But what I will say is that it's actually funny that I'm on this today because I thought that last night I accidentally went to a horror movie <laughs> and I was very worried because oh. me and some friends went to see The Green Knight. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I've been looking forward to it for like a year because I was like, yeah. okay, this very much looks like The Witcher-esque, but with Deb Patel. Yeah, it so looks like, very up your alley. He's so hot. And I'm like, yeah. obviously I'm seeing this. 
right? And then it was like postponed because of COVID. So then it finally was coming out. And I was like, yes, this is my time to shine. I saw this like article or tweet that was like, don't know, like you should go in as blind as possible. I was like, perfect. Well, that's good because I know zero things yeah. about this. Literally don't know anything about it. I was like, I think he's maybe a knight, but that could also not be true. Unsure. <laughs> so I was like, no problem there. I'm going in literally just because Deb Patel's in it. So um, we go, we sit down. The first, you know, the preview start. The first preview was for Jackass Forever. And I was like, ah, Jackass. <laughs> laughing. The next preview was for The Candyman. Oh, which that I preview is hardcore. Not a fan of. I was like. Yeah, when I went and saw something. Oh, my mom and I went and saw The Purge. And she went to go get a soda and she came back up the stairs as the Candyman trailers was playing. And my eyes were so wide. She's like, what's happening? Yeah. So I obviously hadn't watched that one voluntarily. <laughs> no. And then the next one was for this weird. I don't think it's at first. I thought it was a silent movie because no one was talking. The Lamb, I guess. And there was a point in the trailer that it was like silent, obviously, in the theater in this like it was the trailer itself was really quiet and I went nope like out loud because I was like this isn't happening it's like I think it's a Swedish movie it's got the mm. new me um mm. what rap rapace. rapace is in it and then some yeah. other Swedish I mean couldn't even begin to tell you the other guy's name she's like got the easiest name out of the three of them sure and I don't know it was like at first it looked like a horror movie and then it like this weird music started playing but I couldn't tell if they were using it to be like jaunty anyway it was not great so then I like leaned over to my friend I was like is this movie oh, no. going to be scary? <laughs> it's like, oh my God, have I made a mistake? Death Patel, what have you done? It wasn't. There were some okay. like, I think the only parts that really like scared you were like, because it got really quiet and you're like, also, I'll be honest, I didn't super understand what was going on for 99% of the movie. Oh, so, so I'm a lost cause on so, this is what you're saying. Well, Given that was the, the way I watch movies. Well, especially because the person was like, go in totally blind. I was like, should I have gone? blind i feel like maybe i should have looked something up because i was very <laughs> confused and they use like old english writing for like the like set the stage which is very hard to read so sometimes i was like this oh, isn't even that. helpful was this going to help yeah. me know what was going on in this scene because i thought at one it's point like it's like my hummus, and never I was like, knowing <laughs> it's my never knowing where things are in fast and furious yes exactly <laughs> like, and so it was like thank you for telling me this location that, that i don't never know heard of. never heard of yeah so anyway so it wasn't scary it it was a little, I'm going to sound so old. There were some parts that were like kind of loud. And so it kind of would like scare you. <laughs> Guys, I'm cool. I promise. Um, and so, but <laughs> it wasn't like a horror movie, but there were okay. some kind of creepy parts, but not, okay. it wasn't like Candyman scary, which is what I was then worried about. Would you I recommend it? I think so. It was beautiful. Like, okay. Cause he's on like a quest. So he just is like traipsing around the countryside and it's absolutely gorgeous. And he's beautiful. Everything he does is beautiful. There's this part where he's like lying in this bed and he just has like a little sheet over him. I was like, well, hello, sir. So for that point, yes, if you like yes, beautiful okay. people, I would definitely recommend it. Um, and if, I think if you like those types of movies, if you, if you know more about, I also thought he was the Green Knight. He's not. That's the oh. completely different person in it. So. Spoiler alert. You learn that in the first like plot 10 twist. Yeah, but um, it was okay. it was fine. Um, some of it was a little slow, but I think it was mainly because I didn't know what's going on. So. Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's... more me than the movie. Um. <laughs> Uh, so. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So there's that. And then my Spanish period dramas. And then Outer Banks, obviously. So yeah, I again. don't know what that is, but I'm really I told you that's my you. Into the Blue one, remember? It was oh. like made specifically for me. Yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> now it's starting to make more sense. Yeah. And your whole um, list, all your listeners are like, 
where the fuck did she find this girl? She literally doesn't watch any horror movies. I'm like, let me tell you about these teen dramas that I watch. Also, The Cook of Castamar, which is definitely real. I didn't make it up. (laughs) Sure, laddie. You guys, it's important that you expand your horizons. Like that one time Mm. I watched Chucky. So you could also watch something that I recommend, too. Honestly, Many of the people who listen to this do not watch any horror. Oh, at good. All, so, okay, good. Yeah, well, I've also got some K dramas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's not get crazy. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, um, I went anyway. and saw Jungle Cruise last night. Oh, um, in the theater you went? I did. I went and saw it in the theater. How was that? I, I see. I'm glad I went and saw it in the theater because oh. it was it was fine, like <laughs> leaning towards good. Okay. Um. But like I know that if I had watched it at home, mm. I def it wouldn't have kept my attention enough to not look at my phone. Sure. So it was which by the way, the lady who was sitting next to me, um, she was like she had come with her whole family, like she was like the aunt and she brought all the kids, you know, who are like teenagers, you know, to oh, okay. this movie. But she clearly didn't want to see it. And she sat down and she, like, put headphones in and, like, took out her phone and was watching something. And I leaned over and I was like, I'm so sorry, but can you can you put that away? <laughs> like, there's no way. I, I have ADHD, babe. Yeah. There's no way I can watch this movie with you watching something else sitting next to me. Thankfully, other people didn't show up who had tickets to this movie, so she just moved. But I was like, okay, fair enough. Kids in the audience loved it. Okay. It definitely went over really well with young folks. Um, it's got strong Pirates of the Caribbean vibes to it. Um, oh, okay. You know, yeah. So, like, I think it was it was fun. At times it dragged. Towards the end of it, like, I mean, honestly, the last 30, 35 minutes of it, I think I was, like, really in. Oh, okay. Like, I was worried the about rest that of it, it... was going. I was like... <laughs> no, I think I, like, really, like, bought in. The rest of it, it wasn't that it was, like, the first hour and a half I hated. It was just the first hour and a half I was like, all right, yeah, you know, it's it's a fine movie. It works. Sure, sure, and sure. then the last half hour or so, I was like, okay, no, I'm, yeah. I'm very much into it. I'm attached. I'm, I'm having feels. Ooh. I've shed a few tears, mm. you know, things Always like important. that. Yeah, really important. Cool. I also okay. this um, this week watched with the Dead and Lovely Screaming Chat. We watched a New Zealand movie called Black Sheep. Uh, I've heard of who's in that. Nobody, you would oh, not know. Before. I've heard of that movie though. I think. Well, I think like I mean I know I'd heard of it before oh. as well. Okay. Anyway. Um, and it's like it's sort of a horror comedy um, about like sheep, like violent zombie sheep okay essentially kidding. that's definitely not the movie i was thinking it was so well there's like... also a chris farley movie called black sheep oh maybe but... that's what I was <laughs> i've heard of this the other new zealand film great new zealand actor chris farley i don't know if you guys oh, heard of him yes. he is a comic noted genius. kiwi let me <laughs> chris, farley. chris farley okay yes. yeah that was definitely what i was thinking of i have not okay. heard of this film Okay, well, okay. Uh, Black Sheep was really fun. Normally at Screaming Chat, we watch like really terrible movies, um, but Steve gave us a break and we watched this, and it was like super, super fun. And I, I recommend it. Like, it's just, I mean, there is some good, good effects, good practical effects in it and everything, but it's just a cool. funny story, very funny actors, like, uh, you know, just a good laugh yeah. to watch. Okay. Good use of an hour and a half of your time. Um, I watched Pig. The Nicolas Cage movie a lot that of recently came out. Animal yeah, movies. Animal related week. Um, Pig was not at all what I was expecting. Um, it's kind of got like, so the storyline is a little John Wick esque. 
Um, his truffle pig, is, his house is broken into and his truffle pig is stolen. And he is going to, you know, Avenge figure out who took his pig and, you know, all this oh, stuff. Oh, stolen, but, not killed. Stolen. Because well, truffle yeah. pigs are very, they find truffles and they're expensive. Right. So that's, you know, it's that. a prized truffle pig. And so prized he goes on this pig. journey through, like, the Portland food scene to find his truffle pig. Okay. Um, and it's really good. And I cannot compare it to anything. I've <laughs> never seen anything like this oh. movie before. It is. It's just. I was expecting John Wick. It is not that. It's not really. It's not a horror movie. It's not. I mean, I guess it's a drama. It's weirdly deep. Nicolas Cage is great in it. I recommend it. Okay then. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Pig is worth watching, and you don't. You don't know what you're getting into when you watch it. It's a different movie. You guys, you you've heard it here first. If you want something. You- that you don't know what you're getting into. I would watch Pig and then go and see The, the Green, Green Knight. Knight. <laughs> you will be utterly confused either mm-hmm. way. Yes, which is really what I aim for when I go to see a film. Just <laughs> go to see a movie. Super, super, super blind. Confused. Love going in blind. Yeah. No, honestly, I do normally do that with movies. I like to yeah, go in I don't and like not to, know I usually them, like but... to watch a teaser to give me mm-hmm. like, ooh, what's this? And that's what I did yeah. with Green Knight. I was like, oh, watch the teaser. And then I like purposely avoided the like two and a half minute long. I'm like, no, no, right. I don't want to see any of that. That's, so. I think when I went and saw something with Keo and they had the trailer for the Green Knight before it, but I like wasn't super paying attention. And I assumed it was from a book because it looks like it's from a book. So I was like, oh, Keo, this seems like something you would read. And then he went home afterwards and he like Googled it. And he was like, this is not a book. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, something completely different. I was like, oh, yeah. well, never mind then. But what um, are you going to do? Yeah. Anyway. I will probably go see it. The next tickets I have, though, I have IMAX tickets for Suicide Squad Ooh. on Thursday. Nice. So I don't think I have anything that. coming out soon that I really want to see. I mean, I'll probably go see that, but I'm not. Yeah, like... I mean, should be a fun time. It's James yeah. Gunn. How can I not be good? I know. Eat yeah. his elbow. Let's be real. Hello. I'm just more excited about his Western that he's doing. West. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. Is that oh. coming out soon? Uh, yeah, in September. It's on my calendar. I'm very excited. Beautiful. <laughs> and since this year is just like rolling by super quickly, that's going to be here. Before, before know. you know it. It's August 1st, Kristen. I know. What the fuck? I know. <laughs> when you Tell go through like it. a year that feels like three years and then a year moves at like normal pace, it's like, what's going on? It's like on? light years. It really light years. is. It's going yeah. super, super fast. So before we know it, we'll be able to see Cowboy Idris. And that <gasps> does look phenomenal. I'm very on board. I hope it doesn't disappoint like the Magnificent Seven. Okay. Well, you didn't have to do that. I'm sorry. I just want to, like, you know, temper expectations. I know. You can never temper my expectations. They no, are always It's too impossible. High. You guys, they I am often disappointed. So, <laughs> fun fact. Yeah. I'm always at an 11, so I am always very excited about something, and it's either the best thing that's ever happened to me or it crushes my soul. There's no yeah. in between. It's and the, that's um, just how I've decided to live. <laughs> what's your fa- What's uh, from Veronica Mars and... Uh, good Kristen place. Kristen Bell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the Kristen <laughs> Bell scale. <laughs> it is the Kristen Bell scale. Her crying scale. It's very true. Yeah, if it's above a seven or yeah. below a three, I'm crying. I'm crying. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Well, Kristen, so. I brought mm. you here because we have a, a shared background um, mm-hmm. that is one of interest to, to many of our listeners, especially our British constituent who does not have to deal with uh, the much... trauma. <laughs> yeah, the drama, <laughs> the everything related to mm. 
evangelicals mm-hmm. and American evangelicalism. So I thought uh, we'd take the opportunity to unpack some of our evangelical experiences Great. and uh, some of the moments in evangelicalism that have happened, scandals, things of that nature, um, and just sort of discuss the dark side sure. of the religion that yeah. we uh, we experience. Because um, we went to a, we met at a Christian university, mm-hmm. a very small Christian university called Vanguard in Costa Mesa, California. Um, and it was the kind of place where, this blows my mind, by the way, when I think back on it. We went to chapel two to three times a week. A week. A week. A week. And then, and then, feel, and then we went to church we went on to top church. of that. And I'd feel guilty if I missed church after I went to chapel three times yeah. that week. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I cannot get wrap my head around the fact <laughs> that I did that for four years. Like, what? That blows like, my mind. So much church. Yeah. We went to church multiple times a week Mm. and then you know bible studies and whatnot if those were you know around we uh weren't allowed to dance or drink or smoke or um anything of that nature you weren't allowed to be gay you um god what else are weird things (laughs) just on the you couldn't have uh boys in your dorm yeah i couldn't have boys in your dorm Oh, boy. There was a lot. There, there was a was... special bench where you could sit and talk oh to a boy God. about your relationship status. The DTR the bench. The DTR bench. It was a cement bench in between these two dorms that was like... And it was weirdly because it was like very public place. So I yeah. always thought it was such an odd location for it to be. The... I was like, literally everyone can see Why? you guys are like having an issue. <laughs> and it's like right? the most gossipy place. It's like, oddly enough, the one the one thing you were allowed to do was gossip. Oh, yeah. Get that hot no gossip. No problem with gossip. But yeah, they loved that. And so it's like someone sees like oh my god and it's like by the time you you know three <laughs> minutes after literally it was like it spread like while well, the entire everyone in the school knows what was happening on the DTR, DTR bench, bench yeah which is define the relationship by oh, yeah. the way if you're wondering what a DTR bench is <laughs> yeah, and this gonna, is you're part gonna have to catch of us. you're gonna have to catch us from uh using some yeah, of our slipping into lingo. yeah yeah it's gonna be evangelical christianese because this is one of the things about <laughs> this is that <laughs> evangelical culture is so insular and it has its own language and its own traditions and its own, mm. like, these cultural things outside of the religion itself. Right? <laughs> like, there are these common things that you learn and ways that you talk and ways that you pray and things like ways that. Ways that you explain things. Ways that you <laughs> explain things that have nothing to do with, like, necessarily the Bible or the religion itself. It's just a culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that, you know, I've been kind of, so I've been listening to a podcast about Mars Hill church and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, But it, it brought to mind a lot of questions that I, I think about a lot in terms of like functionally, what is the difference between mainstream religion, especially evangelicalism and like cults, You know, like, what really is the difference? And you and I, Kristen, we took a class on new religions and Mm -hmm. cults um, taught by a professor who now is an atheist, (laughs) much like the rest of us. He has deconstructed, which is the (laughs) word that uh, is used for... Yeah, for ex-evangelicals, people who have left the church. Mm. Seriously, there's so much culture. culture. Um, But that, you know, (laughs) amongst the things that he had talked about was, like, how do you distinguish, like 
a religion from a cult right and one of those like being like you know new revelation right the idea that uh you're hearing new things about what you should do from god that are different from what you know the church traditionally has said or what the bible said or has been interpreted as and you know he was one of those people who was like a liberal professor got a lot of shit for that um and yet through these kinds of ideas kept some of us probably in the faith longer than we would have been because we could sort of reconcile weirdness <laughs> and you know what we considered to be christianity i don't know where do you think so how did you even how did you end up at vanguard and then like where has you know a an abridged maybe reverse testimony how much time how do you, did you have? land no. where you are now you know <laughs> yeah i was like well how long is this podcast now right. um i landed at vanguard my youth pastor from when i was growing mm. up he went there um and he was like you would do you would love it it's so great you know sold me on it um i liked the idea that it was small um yeah. i am we always joke very i'm very <laughs> introverted i don't Corey's one of my, like, four friends that I made at Vanguard um, <laughs> that I, like, knew while I was there. I've met people yeah. since I've left um, that are, like, and they're always, like, you went to Vanguard? Yeah. And I was, like, I did. Um, so I liked the idea of it being small because I didn't, I was feeling, going to feel feel overwhelmed in, like, the big schools. So um, that was sort of the reason I ended up there. And then, obviously, I was, like, super on fire for Jesus. <laughs> Loved that guy. He was just the best. Um <laughs> God, it's so funny. I'm going to start crying. No, I'm not. I might. We'll see. But who knows? I mean, like I said, I cry a lot. I cry. Yeah, so, it's fine. Um, uh, so I spent a lot of time. God, I spent so many years. So obviously went to college there. And then um, I started working at a church in. Tw- so we graduated in 2018. And I started working nope, at a church 2008. in 2008. Yep, you're right. That's what I meant. 2008. <laughs> we are much older than that. <sighs> Whatever. Who knows? Time is irrelevant. It's true. Um, and then I started working at a church in 2012, and I worked there for about seven years. And it was during my time there um, that this whole process started. There was a, a guy on staff who was like, um, Hopefully. very much going through the deconstruction process and sort of, I think, inadvertently yanked me into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he yanked me into it with, not with him necessarily, but like anytime I, we would talk about it, I, I was like, I guess I don't really have answers for these questions. I guess I should look into it. And then he recommended a book um, that we ended up reading, like, as a book club with some friends yeah. that really fucked everybody up. Um, <laughs> it really shook everyone's shit. It really was like, then that was really the catalyst. That book was then the yeah, catalyst. And then I started Peter seeing... Peter ends. Peter ends. Um, the Bible told me so. Yeah. Told um, so. And at the time I was... Yeah, anyway. and then that, But then that, in addition to working in a church culture, um, which shockingly is, like talk about culture within a culture um i don't even know if i know how to explain that it's different than just being an evangelical but being within that um and then also in addition to being within that it's a reformed um culture um which is a theology (laughs) that is how do i even what's the word i even use to explain it it's pretty fucked up and what it will uh (laughs) teach you there you go yeah yeah I know. I think I was trying to be more eloquent. And then I was like, yeah. what the fuck? Nah, usually, just go with it. Yeah, I was like, what am I kidding me? Mark usually is on here. And we've dropped <laughs> like a fraction of the amount of efforts you would yeah. have at this point. Um, and so th- those things kind of mixed in. And I met some people along the way. And I just started doing my own research kind of after that. 
um, that led me further and further away. And then I started seeing, like I said, being in, in the middle of those politics and seeing the power structures um, of the church was, I finally was like, this is so toxic. Like, what am I doing? Like, what yeah. is, what am I doing to myself? Why am I like, so why can't I not just walk away? Um, and so Reader's Digest version, that was sort of the trajectory. Like, I'm in the middle of it still. It's like a constant process, I think, because I right. think you, as you dig in, then you, even I think today when we, um, when we just um, talked about doing this topic, um, I even realized something else that I was like, oof, I should probably <laughs> work through some of that. You <laughs> know? have some processing I to do. I have some more processing to do um, when it comes to some of this stuff. So it's a, it's a constant thing because you don't realize how entrenched it is because it was just mm-hmm. how you saw the world. Right. Um, and so it's a hard thing. You'll finally talk to someone and will be like, that's what you think. And you're like, is that not, is that not what everyone thinks? Isn't I mean, we all thought that. <laughs> and then you're like, fuck, why do I think that? And then you have to kind of right. backtrack and, and tear it kind of down. So, yeah, I think that's a really important element of this is that like one of the things, uh, and, and to their credit, they didn't do this in, intentionally, but there were several, you know, teachers sure. at Vanguard who really gave us the tools with which we have deconstructed hmm. a lot of this. And I remember one of the, I think it was Gary Tyra who would talk about worldview glasses, right? Mm. That like you see everything through your worldview glasses mm-hmm. um, or maybe that was Tom Carmody, but whoever it was, they would talk about this, that like, you can't like, it's there, you know, and you may not see them just like when you put your regular glasses on, everything looks clear to you, but it's changing the way that your vision is. Mm. Um, and so this idea that, you take so many things for normal, so many things for given, um, for granted about the faith and about your worldview, that it isn't until you get sort of a direct challenge to it that you start to go, wait, why do I actually feel this way? And I Mm -hmm. think that's what kind of kickstarts a lot of um, people's questions about this. I remember when I was in, you know, when I just graduated college and living in Oregon, hanging out with one of my friends who I knew from live journal and that as you do uh, wow as you do you yeah. be more of a millennial I, right now I'm an old school geriatric <laughs> geriatric millennial, right millennial. Jeez, yeah. grandma all right <laughs> exactly. go ahead continue so I was hanging out with my live journal friends and we'd met in like Christian message boards mm-hmm. and things like that um but she was no longer a Christian and she said that what had center on this spiral again an unintentional thing was that a mutual friend of ours on live journal had um said had told her that like infant baptism isn't in the bible Hmm. and her church was one that did infant baptism and she was like whoa wait a minute like you know what's this about and started to unpack that and then she it like just spiraled from there and she very quickly went from like if this tradition isn't in there like hmm. what is any of this yeah. <laughs> and unraveled it all very quickly to this mm-hmm. person who was trying to make a faith point and be like as an adult you should choose sure. Jesus instead it just yeah it exploded implodes. her entire worldview and for me, and I think probably a lot for you too, a lot of this has to do with sort of like the conservatism that is wrapped up in a lot of this. It's basically power and politics are the uh-huh. two things that really drive a lot of us now, especially mm-hmm. millennials who know that you don't have to live under terrible power structures like this. Yeah. Um, that is, you know, trying to speak truth to power and things like that in the church is a lot of what 
I know drove me out and made me start to question things. I think that's probably similar for you, right? Yeah, that's where the working within the inside and I'm seeing all of that and I was like, what do we do? Like, you know, or like something would happen. I was like, okay, this this has now got to be something we reckon with and it never yeah. seemed to be. And there was actually a real breaking point in, I'm not going to even remember the year. It wasn't, <laughs> it, I, the thing is that I stayed there longer than I should have. So it's hard to always pinpoint some of them. Like, when did that happen mm-hmm. again? Um, but I remember it was a denomination. I won't get into the whole it's a church. <laughs> talk about a culture within a culture. If you really want to get into it, um, yeah. there's a denominational deal um, mm-hmm. and denominations within denominations. It's God just so complicated so um, and super hard to explain. It, honestly, if Mark was here, it'd probably be good because he'd be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, he'd be like, "Yeah, I know. That. Where were you earlier? I needed you." <laughs> um, but the the one we were in, we were trying to break away from that denomination to join a different one. And I was like, what are we doing? This is a terrible idea. Like this yeah. other, these people are, those people are crazy, you know? And it's right. like, yeah. <laughs> clearly we're all a little crazy. Because um, you were, it was Presbyterian, right? So it was yeah. between sort of the progressive the, Presbyterians well, versus the, <laughs> and I'm, I'm making air quotes around. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, I was like, mm, progressive. Um, yeah. yeah. So Presbyterianism in itself is, God, I have so much to do, so much work to do, um, <laughs> is in itself an interesting thing. And then to, yeah, so we were part of what would have been, they were considering like the old school and it's like, no, we need to be more progressive. And I was like, you're mm-hmm. going backwards. This this right. place is backwards. Yeah. Um, and that to me and the way that it was handled and the way that it was communicated. Um, and then I felt so disappointed in the people that I thought were leaders um, and also in the people that I like, like worked with. You know, yeah. so it's like the also the folks that the families that went, I was like, no one asked the right questions. Like weren't no, none of you are asking the right questions here. And I was so angry because I, as a staff person, was expected to go along with what we were doing. And this right. is what we've decided. And what we if we want to talk about Mars Hill, we can you can see I, I'm wa- listening to this podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, and my skin was crawling because I was like, mm-hmm. I've seen all of those things and yes. those patterns. Um, so. Do you so. want to set out what Mars Hill is? Do you want me to? What no, do you... I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, go for it. So Mars Hill um, is now defunct. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be Thankfully. a what we call a mega church. Uh, if you're not familiar with that term, it's just a that's what it is. Robic it's a church. gigantic church. <laughs> it often has many little satellite um, campuses. Campuses. Um, so, but it's a big ass church essentially, and it's usually helmed by a very charismatic white man. Um, not usually it is helmed by a very charismatic white man. Um, I mean, there are the occasional like TD Jakes and things like that. Sure. that are okay, sure. So I'll bigger, say most of yeah. the time, this most one happened to time. be yeah. very, you know, led by a very charismatic white man. Um, um, <clears throat> and it was, it's in C- based or based out of Seattle, Washington is kind of where it's original kind of home base was. And so it was a evangelical, um, kind of more like a non-denominational, not quite like I was, like I said, I was a Presbyterian grew up most of my life. Um, or my whole life, um, this would have been considered more of like a non-denominational, but it's a denominational one itself. It's like, very, like I said, yeah, oh. non-denominational is a denomination. Is a denomination if you can if you can wrap your head around that. Um, yeah. And so it it was centered around a man named Mark Driscoll, and he founded it and started it, and it grew very quickly. Um, and people liked him because he um, was brash and he kind of said what he thought and he was pushed the envelope. 
um, on these things. So people were like, yeah, finally it's like a pr- someone from like the front that's like really saying like what we think. Yeah, um, very much wrapped up in like just being like, I mean, it's Trumpish, you know, it's very masculine, you know, yeah. shouting down the sort of more feminine elements of the church mm-hmm. and being like, but at know, the same really, time, yeah, but at the yeah. same time, he's like, you should treat women with respect. Right. Like, so yeah. if you're not a man, if you don't treat a r- woman right. And so you're like, okay. But then it's also like very belittling to women where, yes. you know, so it's like this really weird thing where he's like, thinks maybe you won't notice how like um, belittling and how sort of um, demeaning he is towards like who women are and what their role should be in life, mm-hmm. in church, in their marriages. Um, if he says with the, on the other side of his mouth, like, men, get your shit together. You're treating men like you're treating women terribly. They right. think, oh, he's this great feminist. And you're like, right. is he, though? Like, no. <laughs> um, and so the – anyway, the point is that this church grew really fast, and it grew around Mark. Um, and then it started to – the crack – the foundation started to crack around it around 20 uh, – 13, four, I think. Four, 13 or 14. It started yeah. – people were like, eh. he had to take a leave of absence. It came to be that he was very – um, abusive behind the scenes in like a bullying way emotionally is manipulative um he was just an asshole basically yeah, um pretty and much that's kind of i don't even know how to explain it and so from there he was then he ended up being the the i mean the fucking audacity of this guy so he has to go on a they ask him to go on an event a leave of absence they're going to kind of investigate these claims that people are coming up and being like you know no one's happy with him because he's like so terrible and he comes back and decides, like, well, I'm going to step down because, <laughs> you know, this is the just, Lord I feel good. the me. Lord told me that I should step down. Like, both me and my wife had the same, like, you know, message from the Lord that we need to leave. And essentially, he's like, he's like, the Lord told me that a trap has been set. And so I'm like, I'm backing out. And you're like, how fucking convenient, bro. Yeah. Because what does he get to do? He gets to move ten, five states away to Arizona and do the whole thing over again. So he's like, started a new church. Um, and I was reading an article that was like, he still is like, I don't know if the big deal. I didn't do anything wrong. Like, now I'm yeah. here. Like, don't bring that. Don't bring your bullshit down to me. Like, people were like, not loyal to me. People were trying to stab me in the back up there. He gets this, you know, it's, you're reading it and you're like, when you to answer your question earlier about how, what's the difference between that and a cult, and I'm like, well, looking at this guy, nothing, because he yeah. starts to get that paranoia of like people are yeah. out to get me. You know, it's very cult. Alex Jonesy, even the way that he like yells from yes. the pulpit and all that stuff, and the paranoia, yeah, extremely in that sort of Trump Alex Jones mm-hmm. that vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he anyway, so he his, but then after he left, the entire thing just fell apart after he left. Yeah. Um, so the church sort of dismembered, not dismembered, banded, disbanded. disbanded yeah. <laughs> they uh, dismembered they all of the people. Just in the church. killed everybody, um, <laughs> and they all kind of you know went off and they're doing their own thing now. So it, mm-hmm. it's it's one of the few times though that someone at the top has been removed and the whole thing falls apart. Usually right. they like kind of fill that vacuum just, pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, they just move someone else right up. Move into the someone same else place. in, and it was. In, I thought it was an interesting case study. It's. It, it was. It had to have been more of like the the structures he put in place were no longer working without him because he held right. so tight onto it. Where it's like you couldn't get another person who was like him to do that. Whereas like in other places, usually the reason they're leaving is because of abuse, you know, sexual abuse. Yeah, an affair, Hilarious, abuse. Yeah. It's like, usually you know, because it's of it's of uh, that kind of nature, and so it's really easy just to replace them with a similar personality. Um, and be like, oh, you know, so sorry about that bad apple. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like <laughs> yeah. not addressing the structure. Um, you just keep those things in place. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I think 
was his wild listening to this. Um, have you gotten up to the most recent episode, the mm-hmm. What We Do to Women one? Yeah, so I that have. one really hit because, as much as you know, you're listening to this about this particular pastor who I have mm-hmm. hated forever. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, so much of what comes out in this episode was is mainstream in evangelicalism. Yeah. So one of the things that comes up in this episode, for example, is like he's extremely explicit about sex in his messages, you know, and he would get up and he would talk about sex in ways that very much objectified women. And it was very much about like male gratification and like, you know, women, if you want to keep your men around, like you have to always be available for sex. You have to give them oral sex. You have to, you know, all these kinds of things that women have to do because Mm -hmm. men are very visual, you know, like if you don't do it, if you don't strip for your husband, he's going to go to a strip club. God intended for women to strip, right? Like very specific, explicit things that he had Mm -hmm. for, you know, women to do. But I remember the church that I went to, that Emily and I went to in Oregon um, before we got married. So we were both engaged at the time, both going to this church had done like they brought the, you know, it was a married couple who were like, there was a head pastor and then his wife was kind of like the, like, not exactly head pastor, but sort of they were a team kind of sure. thing, as is the case in many of these churches. Yeah. Team. Um, and, you know, she went up and it was like, a, like oh, the woman's going to talk to the women. And she gave a sermon about how, like, you need to always be sexually available to your husband, mm-hmm. you know, like that's just like that's part of the job. That's how, you know, he provides for you. And, you know, when he comes home from work, like, you know, you may not be in the mood for it, but like, you know, he spent an entire day working. He doesn't want to come home and like, you know, be rejected at the end of the day. So, you know, you you put on the lingerie and you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is like this is not an excessively conservative church. I mean, it was conservative because evangelicals are conservative. But this wasn't like, you know, we're not talking about something that would read as a cult or as, uh, you know, structurally abusive as what was going on at Mars Hill. And yet the same exact kinds of messages Mm -hmm. were being preached, you know, that Mm -hmm. that was what was your duty as a wife. And it really... Like, listening to this episode, um, and I think one of the things, this podcast is done by Christianity Today, which means it does have, like, a Christian bent, right? These aren't XVs. These aren't people who are outside of it. Um, But one of the things that, you know, so there's things about that that I'm like, eh. I kind of yeah, wish this was someone even like... Even the opening line, I think you've noticed, right? Have you noticed that? Yeah. the op- His, like, opening tagline to the podcast, he's like, it's, like, really great. He's, like, digs into, like, you know, the power yeah. of abuse. I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, but also how God works in mysterious ways right. in dark places. I was like, fuck, fuck off, on, bro. No, like, you. Yeah, yeah. I agree but, with you. I've been yeah. wanting to talk to you about it because I was like, <laughs> there's part times where I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm glad that he's, like... I mean, going as hard as someone can and that who still From doesn't want to be kicked out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, but anyway, and one continue. of the things about that is like, so like you said, like I'm part of me is like, hey, fuck you for this. Like, mm-hmm. don't try to find light in a guy who like yeah. ruined lives and right. taught such terrible, abusive things was part of such a terrible system. But there's also part of me that like what this does is, you know, they're saying we need to examine how this isn't just Mark Driscoll. Right. And that, like, 
what is this a symptom of overall? Mm -hmm. Um, And that is theology that oppresses women and that, you know, allows for these charismatic figures um, to have these rises. And like, why are we attracted to that kind of leader in the church? And I think one of the reasons that I always struggled was because I'm not into those kinds of people. And I know you are not either (laughs) very much the kinds of people who, when someone tries to, um, you know, exert themselves, their power, their, you know, swagger, whatever else we tend to be extremely turned off of that. And that got me into a lot of trouble at Vanguard. I was constantly, um, sort of looked at as a thorn in everybody's side and things like that because of calling these, these kinds of power structures out. But I know like at your church, for example, one of the things that drove you out was that you did have like someone in the church who had kind of risen through the ranks who absolutely Mm. did not belong there. So he had just gotten, yeah. Well, the whole thing is that he had just been hired to a rank Mm. that I didn't think he should have been hired to (laughs) because the head pastor liked him. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, it was was bonkers to me to listen to this podcast about Mark Driscoll because one of the very interesting things, and he said it very early on where he said that he um, put loyalty above honesty around the people around him. And that is, if that doesn't nail it on the head of the, like, almost the, like, like the center of, like, that abuse, because then... The second you disagree, well, you're disloyal. Oh, you're, you don't want us to be you're unified. Divisive. You, you're, you're, you're divisive. Mm-hmm. And those types of things are a fucking nail in the coffin. You're done. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Um, and it's the easiest thing to say to somebody. And mm-hmm. so that was where I got into trouble with who he ended up being my boss. I didn't think he was qualified for the position. He wasn't really. Yeah. Um, and he when we sat down was like, oh, I hear that you're like really great at like thinking things through. So I always like want to hear your opinion. You've been here, like help me. I was like, great. Okay. Maybe this will be fine. Very quickly came to find out that it was like, no, what he wanted me to do was come up with reasons like why what he wanted to do was going to work, you know? Right. Yeah. And agree with him. (laughs) And so when I was like, oh, that, you know, and the things that he did were super problematic and the way that he viewed things. And I was like, you can't, can't do that and it was very much like well then I stopped being invited to meetings and I no longer was um you know I would walk into his office to get something and the up on the board my name would be written down Mm -hmm. and I was like can't be good were you talking about me you know um and so (laughs) but an agenda item yeah why am I an agenda item shouldn't I have been there if you're in talk with me um and so but that was a very key thing about him and he even had a book called loyalty and you read the back of it and I was like I couldn't, I read the back of it and it made my, like, I legit was like, I actually think I need to walk, go walk or run or something because reading the back of it was atrocious. Like what they're looking for. And like, and yeah, you're asking, right. And all of this people, I know you're listening. People are like, oh my God, it sounds like a cult. And I'm like, the only reason I think it's not seen that way is because so many people are a part of it. It's so right. big. It's How hard to call something it that's so huge be yeah. a cult? Be a cult. <laughs> and you're like. It's got all of the earmarks because, yeah, if you're not loyal, then, you know, then you're – and it's easy to brand people mm-hmm. with however you want. Um, yeah. And that, to in me, this, was the hard thing. Yeah, yeah in this Mars Hill uh, podcast, you know, they're talking about, like, you know, not being allowed to talk to people who were kicked out of the church and things like that, like actual ostracization of people mm-hmm. like that, like you would do in a cult. Um, 
And well, about, I think yeah. this loyalty thing is, you know, so important in this idea of unity, right? You said, like, unity, it's like unity in the body body of Christ. Like, these, yeah. this is one of the things that it's hard to convey to people who have never been a part of this, is that it's not just that, like, a, I mean, it's like a bad corporate structure, I suppose, but, mm-hmm. like, it's not just a matter of, you know, uh, if you disagree, like, okay, well, you'd have an argument with someone and you're out. It's that this turns everyone against you, right? Well, and, and then it's I, like, you're yeah. not a good Christian. Right. You it's, don't yeah, love exactly. Jesus. You haven't read the Bible enough. You couldn't possibly yeah. know you're just a dumb woman. Yeah. You, I'm surprised you even know bringing, how to read. You know? Yeah. It's and like, you're bringing this disunity here. You are yeah. destroying the church by bringing up that this thing we did was racist or that this right. thing you did was misogynist. Like it's not, yeah. the, the problem is not the misogyny. It's that you never. said it out loud. It's never, because you know? that is the thing. That would always shocks me is like the fact that someone breaks ranks. So mm-hmm. this is the thing that I realized when you were like, hey, let's do this topic. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then I like panicked because remember I, I sent you I sent you a text. I was like, so are we thinking like, could you use the word awry? I was like, are you saying awry yeah. like, abusive power structures or awry like oh these kooks who like married a thousand people at once you know these like kooky <laughs> right. folks and you're like oh a little bit of both and I was like oh my god what do I do and so I started because you were like just think of it as like oh my god I can't believe this exists right and so I started going through trying to think of like a story where I was like I don't know when was the last time I like read a story and I was like oh I can't believe this exists and I couldn't fucking think of one because the problem with that prompt, Corgan, not that it wasn't a great prompt, was that sure. none of this stuff was surprising to me. Right. Yeah. The surprising part to me was that someone called it out to the point where it got shut down. Mm-hmm. So nothing that Mark Driscoll did was yeah, surprising. Nothing Mark Driscoll did was new. I mean, I told you, mm-hmm. I listened to it. I was like, oh, I've lived through that. Oh, yeah. He, oh, so-and-so used to do that. Oh, I've been that. Like, I live my entire life being ashamed of my body. Got that. Right. You know, it's like I've lived yeah. my entire life being like, if I'm in, ch- I'm the reason that a man mm. would, you know, stumble in his sexuality. Right. Yeah. That was always put on me. Like all of that stuff mm. was started kind of flooding me back. And I was like, oh, the reason I'm, ha-. so I finally, this morning I was talking with a friend, uh, we, uh, our friend, we have a mutual friend. I was actually FaceTiming with her and I was like, she's kind of gross. I don't want to go into that. But the, our conversation forced me to be like, I just need to pick the topics that I want that I wanted to choose because it's not they're they're probably going to be surprising to other people yeah. just because they're not surprising to me and to, that's yeah. where it was hard because I was like I can't I was like oh well, this is something everybody knows because I kept I have yeah. those same lenses on where it's like oh this is what we talk about this all the time people every this isn't going to be news to anybody they're going to be like yeah we already know that um, right. and that's when I had to stop and be like. Kristen, no, it's that is not something that's not normal. Yeah. That shouldn't be how it is. Um, and again, it's like, like I said, another thing where I was like, shit, I got to start thinking about some of those things, you know, where if the thing that surprises me is the fact that the abuse stopped, mm. that is that's so dismal. Sad. That's really dark, but that's it's so very sad. true. But that was the, <laughs> like, I was shocked that Mark Driscoll, I mean, not mm-hmm. that it really stopped. He's probably just doing right, it now. He just moved. Yeah. But, but not only stop, but to the point that that whole place fell apart is right. bonkers to me. Yeah. Um, and I, th- yeah, I think that that is, you're right. That's, you've given me a revelation now, but you're <laughs> absolutely right that like, I think when I hear people talk in Christianisms and things like that, I'm mm-hmm. aware of how weird it is now. Like, yeah. you know, when yeah, I hear totally. certain phrases and things like that and think that would have made sense to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, that is when I'm like, yeah, that was weird. But you're right. There's so much that I think I still consider 
it, that's so normalized. Like, and I think what you said about like always feeling shame of your body or, you know, things like that, like so much wrapped up, wrapped up around purity and sexuality and things mm-hmm. like that, that like the ex- entire experience of being a woman in the church feels natural. Yeah. You know, that like, oh yeah, this is just what it's like. We all feel this way. And then when I talk to people from other countries or, you know, things like that, because a lot of this is pervasive because it comes out of evangelicalism and sure. affects our education system and things like right. that in America. Yeah. So there's a degree to which a lot of American women deal with this anyway. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of hear the the fact that this was not how other people lived, mm-hmm. it's... It's wild and it kind of hurts a little bit. You're like, that's, well, that's so unfair <laughs> that, yeah. you know, we had to, we had to deal with that, you know, and to have Not so much we, of that yeah. put on us. Not that we only, and from such a young age. Yes. That is to me, like, I guess I, I still have this anger that I've yet to let go of and I don't know if I actually want to. I think I want to hold on to it a little bit because it sure. lights a fire in order to call shit out when I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very young to when those expectations were put on me. Right. You know, I don't remember how young I was, but I was not, it was before junior high. Right. Where I was told, you know, it's like you go to summer camp, it's like, oh, well, girls have to wear one pieces. Right. And I was like, why though? Why? Like, just, you know, and the reason you get is like, well, because we don't want the boys to, we want them to focus on Jesus, right? Not on you. And I'm like, Right, but they don't have, they're running around without their shirts on. Like, they're yeah. not worried about me. Why not? am I responsible for that? Why am I not? Why am I? Yeah. And, yeah. Why is that my problem? Yeah. But it was all, but, but that's I, not the question you asked at the time. At it the was time, not it was like, the oh, question. Okay. It was like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. I, I don't want that. would yeah. be horrible. I would feel terrible because it, it automatically yeah. puts you in a submissive role. Um, and one of like, oh, yeah, I know. I just want, yeah, I want everyone to be able to do their thing. Like, yeah, I want to yeah, support, like this, be really supportive of everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird paradox of Christian womanhood where yes. you are submissive, but you also have all of the power. Power at like the same time. Somehow, it's like you have yeah. all of the power, but you can't do anything with it. And right. it's like, yeah, cool. you're responsible or for everyone's if, faith, everyone's sexuality, everyone's decisions. Yes. Any decision anybody made is definitely on, all you, on you, but you don't get to make any decisions, mm-hmm. which is like also yeah. weird. And anyway. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a it's super a cool, guys. It's definitely not a cult, so don't worry about it's it. Definitely not a cult. Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> there's just so much wrapped up in, in all of this stuff. And and one of the stories that I was reading about earlier, um, it was a, a, a article in the Atlantic called "The Seven Signs That You're in a Cult" by a guy named <laughs> Bose Harrington. Um, and oh, no. it was it's don't read terrible... it i don't want to know <laughs> no, no it's like i mean it has so he goes through there um he was part of a group that was under the international house of prayer or oh, ihop they're nutso right yeah they are nutso. i mean i shouldn't say that we were all nutso we're, yes but yeah that's the thing is it's so funny because we distinguish what versions are crazier than others right I when know. you're like oh even like like even within evangelicalism, it was always like, oh, yeah, the there's certain folks groups that you are recognize so... are too well, crazy. I remember going because it was Pentecostal um, or Assemblies of God was the school that we went to, which is a denomination. If you don't know, they are very into speaking in tongues yeah. and laying of hands and a lot of kind of like more mystical like stuff. Yes. I came from a reformed tradition, which is very bookish and yeah. nerdy. 
Um, <laughs> and I walk into chapel and people are like, being fucked. And I was like, I remember text. I remember actually calling my youth pastor and being like, what the fuck did you send? I didn't say what the fuck. But I was like, where did you send me? There. Yeah. And he's like, I know, I know. And I was like, no, you don't know. It was yeah. very. They're jumping like, up and down. Was, their hands are in the air. Yeah. I was like, culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> For me, up. a lifelong believer got culture shock going to a Christian university. <laughs> what? And then it's like, I remember going from that and going to like uh, one of the RDs, Ryan, he went to a church in Fullerton that was even more Pentecostal. No, And I walking refuse. in and there were people it. doing like ribbon dancers and stuff like that and being like, whoa, yeah. like that's crazy. I remember on the weekends, I like purposely went to the, like the old timey service at the church <laughs> that I went to with like all, literally all of the old people. It was, yeah. I was the youngest person there by 30 years. Yeah. Because it was so comfortable because it was very reserved. It was yeah. like organ music. I was like, okay, this is my okay. like sweet spot, right? It's like chill and relax <laughs> into <laughs> it, right? Anyway, so like, sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no, off. but just... no, it's totally right, though, is that it's funny oh. to like be like, oh, this is crazy. When it's like, yeah. it was all, all crazy. Shit. There is not like a part of this I that know. isn't insane this is a part of a religion that believes that like some dude like just like had to die for everybody i don't know like but yeah. he's also god oh, but he not, was like not i don't know god. it was because we were all huge pieces we're of shit all terrible we we're are all shitty all totally depraved yes there's like, not an ounce of goodness in humanity naturally yeah. that's what they teach you as a young child but right. you are a huge piece of shit and if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to burn in hell for eternity. And that's this, a long ass time, y'all. Really? Eternity? Yeah. And this is like <sighs> the thing that I keep thinking because I still ha I don't have like a ton of very evangelical friends anymore. Mm -hmm. I think most of my close friends have like deconstructed to mm -hmm. at least a pretty large degree. Um, and there are a very few people who are still like very Christian that I like hang on to, but like who aren't douchebags, you yeah. know, who they're out there. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like there they're are some there. people who very deeply believe this stuff, mm -hmm. um, who are not assholes. Um, but I will see them post things about like what mm. sinners they are and their need mm. for Christ and all of this kinds of stuff. And I just, every time I think what a colossal waste of time and energy that is and how one of the things that is necessary to Christianity is for followers to believe that if they leave, it will be worse mm -hmm. right? and that mm -hmm. if you stop loving Jesus, if you stop mm -hmm. following Jesus, your life will fall apart. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about that is that it's like, you know, they, they say, like, you might even think you're happy. Yeah, but you're not. But you're not. You can't know? even trust that. Can't you can't even trust your own you brain. Yeah, you can't trust it. Just... Because remember, your brain is inherently evil. Right. So it's Inherently like evil. There's oh nothing God. you can, there's no way from the inside, if you are still attached to that and you look at people and you're mm -hmm. like, they seem happy and they seem free and whatnot out there, you ha like you have so many barriers in the way of yeah. things telling you that whatever that freedom they have is not real um, mm -hmm. and that I will be miserable or I'll be deceiving myself into thinking I'm n not miserable, but really I am miserable even if I don't feel miserable. Yeah. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, so, I do know. When and I you see have that to, stuff, it's wild. and it's like a deprogram. I mean, we call it yeah, deconstruction, it but it's really a deprogram because there's, I catch myself sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, there's still something, there's just like sometimes, because every once in a while I'll be like, fuck, but what if I am wrong? Right. <laughs> you know, there's and you like, still this little part of you. There's like, like sometimes you're like, oh God. Um, and it's, because yeah, it's, oh God, yeah. Yeah, I think I said in the rapture so that that was one of the like things that I worried about was like I remember praying mm-hmm. don't ever let me fall away and think that like I'm happy, you know. I prayed against being the person I am now. Like, yeah. you know, I know that I'm I'm prone to wander, so like just please God don't let me ever be that person. Yeah. You know. And so when you become that person, then there's that little part of you that prayed against you that's like Oh God, like what if? Yeah. What if? I can't trust me. I have learned Mm -hmm. for years and years and years that (laughs) I can't trust me. Yeah. And that is a really hard thing to unpack. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It's Mm ooh. It's wild. So, you know, this is when we when we talk about all this kind of stuff and how, you know, Mark has had this sort of perspective because he doesn't have an experience with evangelicalism the way that it is here you know and i've said like you're not understanding how entrenched it is in politics and things like that but also just the degree to which those those things are in our minds and that like we operate from this position of you know we are all terrible um you know and and that this is the only thing that can fix that when it turns out you can just be like good for good's sake and this is you know that's the thing he's often like you know to each their own like it's fine if people believe this kind of stuff and having been in it instead you look at it and you're like the abuses of power and the way that it shreds self-esteem and shreds your sense of being able to choose anything for yourself and to be able to trust yourself that's so damaging yeah and you don't choose that for yourself and it's like perfectly set up because then it's self-perpetuating it is You'll never run out of people because as much, you know, as much as they're making a stink of, you know, all these, you know, millennials and stuff. Leaving. To, to, yeah, leaving a deconstruct. They're like making it. I was like, they're not that worried about it. No. Because they know that the things that they've put in place have are going to keep most, you know, enough of it going. Yeah. And it strengthens um, this like core group that is dedicated to not being yeah. like us. You yeah. Know? And they're and very few of them are asking the question that they're asking that podcast of like, wait, if this is happening, like, what are, what's wrong with us? You know, like, you're not asking that on a large scale. Um, So you're able, it's very similar, I think, to, you know, when people want to not look at, like, the policing on a large scale, and they they throw that bad apple thing, and like, oh, can you believe this guy? Well, we'll just, you know, bring in someone new, and you're like, no, that's not, you're missing the point. Yeah, the system is broken, um, and it's set up in such a way that, yeah, that's your mindset. Like, how do you break out of that right um, it's really hard it was nice yeah anyway it's really hard <laughs> it is it's extremely hard and you just see just incredible abuses that that come out of this and that lead thus you know what i was going to bring up from this this article is that you know this line between cult and religion is so easily blurred because mm-hmm. of the ways that those um, like the idea of not being able to trust yourself or the idea of like a charismatic leader that we need that knows more than everyone else that a yeah. man in power you know uh, is someone to be trusted and to be loyal to and to not 
you know, question. Right. That makes it so that the slide into the abuses that we automatic that we like generally associate with cults is very easy to happen. So Mm -hmm. in this case, um, this guy had been a part of the International House of Prayer. um, And the founder is a guy named Mike Bickle. And he created a list of seven ways to recognize the difference between a religious community and a cult. And so they are, one, opposing critical thinking, two, isolating members and penalizing them for leaving, Mm -hmm. three, emphasizing special doctrines outside of scripture, four, seeking inappropriate loyalty to their leaders, five, dishonoring the family unit, six, crossing biblical boundaries of behavior, Mm -hmm. um, and seven, separation from the church, which when you listen to all of those sound pretty mainstream churchy, to be honest. Oh, (laughs) No, I'm like uh, isolating members and penalizing them for leaving. Yep, opposing critical. Well, you know what's always interesting about it too is Christianity does a good job, or I should say, evangelicalism does a good job of making. This is gonna sound like such a cop out, and I swear it's not. But they almost trick you into think you are thinking critically. Yes. Yeah, and I don't want that to be an excuse for the way that I've thought in the past. But I could (laughs) have. I remember distinctly saying, like, oh, I'm, like, a critical. I, like, really question what people teach me. Yeah, right. But it was it's always to a certain point, and then I yes. stop. Uh, because right. it's only acceptable to a certain point. Yeah, there's, like, but a somehow safe level I, of questions. There's a safe level of questions to which then you're, like, so you think that you are thinking critically, when in reality you're thinking to just the point that they want you to. Exactly. And then you stop. And you can um, feel the discomfort when you hit that point, yeah. too. Like, the part oh, of the you whole... that wants to think further yeah. into it. Like, I um, think about, like, Emily and I used to talk a lot about, you know, as you would say it in in, in the church, homosexuality, mm-hmm. you know, but, like, the LGBTQ <laughs> community, you know, mm-hmm. and about, like, well, there has to be, like, we could not personally justify any form of discrimination against gay people or anything like that and we're talking about the time of proppy and you know gay marriage Mm -hmm. debates all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff and like personally we were like i don't see any reason to discriminate yeah but we've been taught this so there has to be like a reason right like god has to have a reason yeah we've missed this is a sin you know like Mm -hmm. i'm not sure exactly what it is but you feel the tension of mm-hmm. pushing what you actually personally believe mm-hmm. against like the structure and how to once I hit this point of questioning and critical thinking, then I need to just let go and let God. You know, yeah. like, this oh, is where how this dare is where you God say that is to me right. <laughs> Right. How fucking God is dare you me, say that to you know? me right now? You get out of here. You need to go sit in the corner. I'm sorry. I'm that's really okay. sorry. That's fine. No. But just, now my eyes going to twitch right? for the next yeah. minute. It's fine. It's not related to that. It's yeah. just the way it's that my totally face random. Is. It just happens. It's sometimes. totally a random thing that happens. <sighs> but um, it's that idea of like yeah. you know, God's ways are bigger than ours, and so mm. when you come up against a question that's too big for you, like, it's how dare you question. God. Right. Who do you think you are? Like to quote Mark Driscoll in that yeah. podcast. Who, <laughs> Who do, do you think, think you, you are? are? He's like screaming. Um, <laughs> to me, it was so baffling. I feel like it was he. I think honestly, I think Mark. He just the reason that he didn't work out was because he was too out loud about it. I was like, yeah. He said the quiet part loud. You said the quiet part out loud because in reality, what you should have done is like I've had that. It's not them saying who do you think you are it's them reading that line from job where god is saying it to job you know 
That's yeah. what they say. But he was just saying it himself. I was like, no, no. So you got to use the scripture part right. where God Let says it, it or you. You know, and it, or it's like the it wasn't no so much the words, but it was the tone or the mm-hmm. context. And you were like, oh, you're right. I'm super sorry about that. I'm gonna back up. Right. But with it's coming, but when it was coming from him, it was like everyone's like, whoa, what the fuck, man? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I was like, yeah. He missed it. I was like, you. He was like too out loud about it. Yeah, like, you, he, sh- you got did it wrong. He did all you the did things. You that... gotta go. You gotta be sneakier about it. Otherwise, exactly. people can tell when you're that loud about it. Right. And part of like what evangelicalism is is looking nice. You know, it's like Midwest mm-hmm. nice, right? Where mm-hmm. you're saying something that sounds nice, but it's actually cruel and cutting underneath. Yeah. Like it's bless your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so. We rely on the ideas of, like, let's go back to, like, the the LGBTQ stuff, right? Sure. Like, that we can say we don't, we don't hate gays, right? In fact, we invite them into our congregation, right? You, you can absolutely come here. I mean, we're going to preach that it's sin, and you absolutely yeah. cannot hold a leadership position or, absolutely. you know, be a part yeah. of anything uh, going on here. We won't marry you, like, any yeah. of that stuff, but we don't hate you. This is just what the Bible says about you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and so Mark Driscoll, you're absolutely right. He was not he was not doing any of the things that we do to mask what is actually going on. He was going up there yeah. and being like, I went to this promise keepers things and the men were wearing pastel. Can and you they were, they were crying. Men don't do this stuff. Yeah. You know, like he was saying the stuff that, yeah, you're taught that in church, but normally quietly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like normally it's, uh, you know, a little bit of youth group playground bullying that mm-hmm. teaches you that you don't want to look gay and cry. It's not the pastor yeah. standing up there being like, you're all a bunch of pussies. <laughs> that's not what you're supposed to do no you gotta no. couch it in the right language and he yeah. was not you gotta keep it that. and you gotta keep it within family there right yeah. and so you know he and that's one of the things too when he talked about like in that sermon which is one where he mm. sort of digressed at the end of a sermon and pretended it was you know spur of the, the moment cuff. but he Ugh. was yelling at the men in the audience about you know getting their shit together and why aren't you praying with your wife or you know stuff like that um and he admitted he was like you know in interviews even though again he was lying because this was planned but he said it was spontaneous and he's like i just started talking to them like i would talk to in like a counseling session yeah i was like this guy does fucking counseling like this yeah he screams at dudes in counseling sessions and again it's this thing you would keep behind closed doors but he did everything he said it out loud yeah you know and created a following that was really into that and that leaned into that brash masculinity that again when when you listen if you listen to this podcast and then, like, look ahead eight years to when we get the election of Trump. Like, you, or, you know, or 10 years, I guess, from when he started, whatever it was. Um, like, you're, you can see that trajectory of yeah. people following this guy. And he was extremely popular. And when I got married, his podcast was recommended to me many times because he did a series on biblical marriage that was atrocious. I remember listening to it at the gym and yeah. being like, what? <laughs> like yeah. when it came out, like, no, why do people keep telling me to listen to this? Yeah. Ah, 
Um, you know, and he very strongly believed women should not work, that, you know, mm-hmm. men were the breadwinners, that the woman's job is raising kids, all of this kind of stuff. Um, but it was just, ooh, the whole thing is not anything that anyone else wasn't telling me. Right. It was just the way he was saying it uh-huh. and he was getting away with it. And that is the kind of thing that people now in evangelicalism is so mainstreamed mm-hmm. that, yeah, they follow leaders like this. They want more Mark Driscoll's. Right. You know, and it makes perfect sense <laughs> that that's who we end up to on in a political field. Yeah, because it's very much that idea. And I think, you know, you hear from some women who are like, at the time, I like allowed that to happen. It sounded good yeah. at first because I right. felt like I was, you know. They're protected. They're right? protecting right. me. Um, he's, she's like, you know, but you don't see how incredibly like stifling and all oppressive and all those things are until you're living in it. And then you're like, yeah, cool, I think one of actually. them had, yeah, one of them had a good quote where it was like, it felt like the only solution to a violent bad man was yeah, a violent, a violent good, good man. man yeah she you're exactly right yeah. but I, you do see that correlation as far as like then how it goes into politics because then that, what did they all say about him it was like oh he just says it like it is finally yeah. it's like yeah finally your fucking racism can now be on front street instead of like right. you can hide it behind all of your fucking laws and policies and coded yes. in a million you know things um so yeah. it's like no surprise <laughs> to me where it's like yeah, where you're like, of course then people love that because that's what they wanted this whole time and that's how they feel about yeah. stuff. And it's Everything. just yeah. depressing and sad. And if you don't feel that way about things, you know, that's why this generation has largely, you know, left in such droves is that there isn't really a place to not be that and and it's you know there was have been movements to create more progressive churches and things like that but after a while you start asking why why am i even doing this i just don't believe any of that it all reeks of the same thing it's just repackaged it's just it's always just going to be repackaged bullshit Mm -hmm. to me because it's based on the same teaching that is westernized colonialized Mm mm-hmm stuff to put people in power right it's a it's a always and has been a power play yeah and creating um, alternative versions of it no matter how progressive they're trying yeah to so be, you're just yeah is, it's you're just all in fear of losing that power honestly. Yeah. otherwise it'd be like you know what fine go home and like figure out like your spirituality like if you still yeah. love jesus love jesus and you don't need to like we don't need a building and worship leaders and all this kind of stuff to do it like you know, figure your shit out. And that's cool. But the fact yeah. that we keep on creating more and more of these is because of a fear of loss of cultural power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people trying to hold on to ex-evangelicals, holding on to deconstructing people, you know, they're they're just perpetuating that instead. Yeah. yeah. You can't they've fix missed, it. You can't fix it. They've missed one of the big reasons. And it just as another, as like you're missing one of the big reasons as to why people are upset also (laughs) right exactly not just looking for different songs yeah i'm not looking yeah none of that's gonna change you're fundamentally unable to change what you are as a institution right and you're that most of these places that are trying to pop up as progressive are still led by charismatic white men yeah well and that was a thing that was always my big issue before i ended up finally leaving 
was like that they were they were like we really want to like hear from you and i was like i finally was like do you though <laughs> they were like what i remember saying this was like to somebody who was actually gonna it was actually gonna get back you know they were asking me to come be in this like whatever and i was like i'm only interested if they actually care about what i have to say or are you just asking me because you think you've pissed me off and you right. want to tokenize me as the other voice yeah you know, and, and they you didn't have an answer for me. And I was like, then I'm not interested in doing that because I've done that and I'm don't need to. Yeah, I can go yell at a wall in my right. house. It I doesn't feel to. good to just yeah. talk into a void. Maybe it is a horror of humanity. And I it just didn't is. realize it, Corey. It is a horror of humanity. I mean, honestly, we didn't we only had to tell one story. I didn't get into any of the <laughs> other ones that I had to hear. All I haven't even told my the... fucking John Ortberg story, which I thought was really bad. <laughs> it doesn't like, even require it. It's just it horrifying. It doesn't even require it, but you would understand it more. It's funny because you would actually understand it more based on what we've talked about. Yeah. Do you want to it's, tell the story? Want to give like a, a... Oh, sure. Do we have time? Do we want... Yeah. Let's go for it. So this uh, other one I wanted to tell my second story. Let's close out on a... On let's a close out on a real horror, high note, Yeah, folks. let's do a case study here. Let's do a case study in horror. But you will, I think, take what you've learned so far and see if you can figure out how this happened before mm. I tell you how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, John Ortberg, if you don't know, was the shit. He was a big top dog in the literary Christian world. Um, he led a mega church... Um, in kind of central California, northernish California, called Menlo Park. Um, he was a big, big wig. Um, you could throw you throw that name around. He, um, it this is so in 2018, a volunteer at his church confided in him that he struggled with a an attraction to children, but he hadn't acted on it, according to the volunteer. And John was kind of like, oof, all right. Did not tell anyone this. <laughs> the volunteer continued to work with children at the church, in the community. Um, it's like just happened. the first step here is, okay, maybe we take you out of children's ministry. Yeah. I'm sure, at the you very, know, the good very job least. not acting on your impulses, but let's the, just, listen, if women can't wear a tank top because they're too much of a, a yeah. stumbling block, maybe. Yeah. We keep you so from the he, kids. but doesn't do anything with it because apparently the the guy man had said, "Well, I haven't done anything." So I'm just like, "Okay, well, I don't even actually want to say the term, but I'm going to say it." I don't like it because it actually makes me want to throw up a little bit in my mouth. The volunteer himself and also John Ortberg used the term that he was a. Oh God! I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that he was a virtuous pedophile because he hadn't Come acted on. on those impulses okay a year goes by and um john orberg's son his name is daniel now yeah um he had been kind of estranged from his brother daniel's brother and he's like um daniel came out as trans and him and his brother kind of had this weird falling out where his brother was like nah i'm done um and so then he but he wanted to mend bridges and so he ends up kind of meeting up with his brother um, they sit down and they're like having this discussion and his brother confides in him. Um, one of the, so one of the reasons, so one reason was that the, you know, because Daniel had come out as trans that the brother, he's like, that was part of it. But also the other part was like, I've been struggling with these feelings of being attracted to children. And the brother was like, what? 
have you told anybody other than me? And he's like, the, you know, I read this article. The brother's like, now I felt complicit in this. Right. And he used that same term. Well, but I haven't acted on it. So I'm virtuous, you know, whatever. So, yeah. So, you know, yeah. spoiler alert. The volunteer from a year ago was John Orberg's other son. Christ. So now Daniel calls his dad and is like, hey, pops, did John, you know, Johnny, John Jr. or the third or something. He's, did you talk to him about this? He said he told you. And he's like, oh, yeah, but he's, you know, he hasn't acted on it. And he's like, right, but he's still volunteering with kids, dad. You can't do, you know. And so now Daniel's in this position where he's like, well, fuck all. So he, like, sends a complaint to the elder boy. And, now, and you know, they do an investigation. They pull him out of ministry. But they, the investigation they do never names him. They just say, mm -hmm. oh, a volunteer, you know, the uh, uh, people that he'd worked with, like some high school students said they didn't even know why he had stepped back. They just, they learned about mm -hmm. it on Twitter. He had just said like, oh, personal family reasons. I'm not going to sure. be volunteering anymore. And so then, you know, you start to see then it's like, they, oh, they do an investigation. They didn't find, you know, he hadn't, he, he was right. He hadn't acted on anything. And it's like, for 15 years, you worked in like children's ministry. And you're telling me that. Nothing anyway, ever happened. Nothing ever happened. And it was this weird thing. But then like, it never came, it. The, so then they were like, well, you know, we're kind of upset at John because he didn't say anything. And then it came out later that it was actually John's son. And then the whole congregation was like, the fuck, what? man? Like, not only did you not tell us and you continued to let him do this work, but then you didn't tell us. You Then you just kept saying, oh, this unnamed volunteer when you did right. your they Like did it's this some stranger, but we've dealt yeah. with him. He's gone. And the, like... this, the other brother, Daniel, is kind of like, I don't trust this investigation because how could it have been – if you're not naming him, if you're not yeah. saying, if you're not meeting with people who had one-on-one -on -one contact with him, yeah. or you're not, you're not telling them so they can protect their own families, and do, you know, it turned into this whole thing, and he had to step down, and, um, and you're like, it took, you know, you know, and the brother obviously wasn't really involved in the church, yeah. as you can imagine, as being <laughs> a part of the LGBTQ yes. community was not welcome. Um, he was like, it, you know, it took his brother confiding in him for him. To, and it was, Daniel was the one that had reached out to his brother. So he was like, how long could this have gone on for if, his, if it hadn't come out? Yeah, if he hadn't just said something. Yeah. You know, and it, it, that leans to what we talked about before is these structures of power that it's like a silence thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. oh, they didn't want to, you know, the reason they didn't release his name was they didn't want to, you know, damage his reputation. All these things. I'm like, you're more worried about, again, you're always more worried about the perpetrator than yeah. you are the potential victims and like yeah, i said they still have yet to like. find any you know if there have been any victims of this guy but it's like you were that's more not worried the point. Of, that's yeah. not the point the point is that you were more worried about protecting him than really finding the truth because it's yeah. never about the truth it's about the unity and the power and keeping those things um in place that leads you to these like horrible things yeah um and cover-ups and you know yeah silence you know silencing folks um yeah and hopefully in that case it's true that he never actually did yeah, anything I but i really do hope this is that would be the rare example that it in would general exactly what you're saying these structures are put in place in a way that generally protects people who do stuff like this mm -hmm. and you know that they're covered up because people in power can cover it up or because as we said, you know, you don't want to damage the witness, right? So right. if this gets out, oh, well, it's not going to look good for Christians. So we need to cover this up because, you know, 
that's we don't want the world to think this is the kind we're supposed to be above this we're supposed to be above reproach so if it gets out that we have the same kinds of sins as everybody else do you remember how we were always supposed to be above fucking reproach (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh my god i'd forgotten about that actually i'd forgotten about that oh man i'm gonna text sarah that phrase after this because that was one of her favorites she's always talking about to be above reproach you know above reproach oh god no don't look like a sinner just go out there and and do it like honestly honestly the freedom because it's right you spent that whole time being like oh you leave if you do this Mm -hmm. um and I remember being so scared for those years when I was really kind of wrestling with all this stuff because I saw how they treated the initial the, yes. the initial coworker I told you about that had like kind of brought this whole sh- shit to my doorstep. Yeah. Um. I saw how he was treated and I was like, well, I don't want to get fucking ostracized from this community, this right. like small community that I have. Um. And I wrestled with it for you know for so long because it was like, but then the second I like I remember that last day when I walked well I walked out and I think I told I kind of lit a match as I left. Yeah. <laughs> Something had happened that w- my last week of work, and I was like, you know what, fuck this. No, I'm not playing your game anymore. And I like tried to blow it up. It actually didn't work as well as I had hoped. Um, they were kind of like, well, you're leaving, and so now we don't have to worry about it because right. you're not going to say anything <laughs> else. And I was like, well, you're right because you don't care anyway. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but I remember just feeling like. I had lost 50 pounds right. walking out of that place. Like I felt so like it and like it had been just like weighing on here, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the thing I, mean, I wish that like I could convey to people because I know I can't convey it to people who are still very yeah. evangelical because uh-huh. they've been taught not to believe it. But, yeah. you know, like the weight immediately mm. of just being able to make a decision and trust yourself. Yeah. Honestly, of like, I slept in this morning. <laughs> right. And it was wow. awesome. I haven't been to a church in. And I felt so guilty about it for so long. <laughs> yeah. And then I, right. I like let that shit go and I was like, actually, oh. I don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going back. Yeah. And it feels amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> it's so great. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Because you're right, and I think actually I don't know if you how much of the dirty rotten dirty rotten church kids you've listened to. No, I um, haven't really listened to them. There's some of their podcasts are kind of hard to listen to because they're like two hours long. I'm like, I don't have the time. For this. <laughs> Who has time to listen to? And but the thing is, they just do this and they just kind of are like yeah. word vomiting all yeah. of their feelings, which is on one hand kind of nice. And so every once in a while they'll say something really good. And there was a time like that where they were like, yeah, it's hard to explain to people because he's like, now when people hear what we're doing, they are like, oh, I'm going to pray for you. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, like, you don't need no, to do no, that. No, 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 no. Don't like, worry I'm about it. I'm totally great. fine. The hardest thing I think I've told you is my friends who are still Christians when it's like, I know my reaction should be like, oh, I'm going to pray for you. But my, right. <laughs> I'm like, not definitely not going to. And there was actually a long time when I was still like before people really knew that I was leaving. Like even yeah. when I was still working at the church where I was like, I really had like, sneakily was able to like get around not saying that because i was like yeah. i'm definitely not gonna pray for you and that's <laughs> not gonna be a thing that i do even though i know that's what i'm supposed to say to you yeah um, that's like a really like funny... some of us have bad poker faces we're not yeah. great at just like lying it out you know oh, like yeah. oh yeah. yeah i'll pray for you it's yeah. like no you can tell that i feel weird about it so. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah now I'm still always the other day. I mean, it was like a couple weeks ago. You like crowdsourced a response from us. Yeah, I did. What do I say instead of I'll pray for you? Yeah. And that is like a constant thing of like, you know, I don't believe that like thoughts, prayers or vibes do anything. You know, things are going to do what they they do. 
<laughs> so I'm always on the search for a, you know, a good way to I... respond to those. Yeah, types how do of I respond to those kinds like... of things? But yeah. Yeah. yeah, my whole thing has recently kind of been just like a. I like to say I'm thinking about you because then that yeah. reminds them that I'm like I haven't left you alone yes. in this painful thing that you're in. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think I, if you want a real big callback here, I think about. Do you remember? Oh God, I'm gonna butcher his name. Fuck. Oh, this is so disappointing. Oh, the guy from Dread Comics. Oh, or Mike Mulcher. Mike Mulcher. When Mike Mulcher was on Electric Fan Cave. Yeah. Way back when. And he had this great quote that I that go that I go back to. He's like, human beings just want to know that they're not alone. Yeah. He's like, the most, like the kindest thing you can do for someone is to like show them that they're not alone. And I remember being like, yeah. Like, I was like crying. Like, yeah. So I think this about guy that, from Judge Dredd is like really moving us. It's really getting me, man. <laughs> it comes from weird places. Um, but I, that is to me what I think about as far as like how I still treat people who are in the church where it's mm. like, I just, I guess I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you and like I yeah. send them a text and like that's what it is because it's not that I'm praying for you, but I want you to know that I haven't left you to deal with your shit mm. yeah. um, and that I'm here for you. Um, and I think that's kind of the, I think that is kind of one of the kindest things you yeah. can do for someone. And isn't um, that honestly better than being like, well, I hope God's got it? Yeah, I think so. I've like, you got want... you. Yeah, I've got you. Like, I understand the human condition. Yeah. Very and I'm not well. leaving it to anyone else to. Yeah, I'm not just going to, like, pass the buck. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the hardest thing has been, like, sitting in that messiness mm-hmm. um, and being okay with that because for so long you weren't supposed to be messy. Mm. Mm-hmm. you know on one hand they were like it's okay if you're messy like come as you are but in reality don't be too messy because we don't know how to deal with that um yes. it was always the like underhanded thing <laughs> um and so i've liked that freedom to like be like really messy with my friends and my just kind of be like i'm a fucking mess right now or it's like i was supposed to meet with a friend a while back and i was like you know what i'm not i can't today i'm really yeah. not in a good spot and they're like do you need anything i was like i don't i like just ordered some sushi i'm just gonna you know whatever yeah but it was I would have never felt that freedom before. Right. Yeah. There's a obligation to every mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're on your way out, but you're worried that you can't trust yourself and the freedom on the other end, it's actually pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> really is, man. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I think I'm pretty good at deciding things and being good and all that stuff. I mean, I still so. super overthink everything. Don't well, get yeah. me wrong. Yeah, I think that's that's just you, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's your personality. Well, that's fair. But no. So. But no, it's true. Yeah. Thank you, Kristen, for coming Thank in, you. unpacking all of this with me. It has Look, been. I love to deconstruct live with people. Mm, here, Because every time I do it, I learn something new, and I learned something new this time around too. Yes. Um, it was more of a depressing realization. Sometimes it's like more sure. enlightening and I learned something. I think remember that other time I told you, I was like, is my like strive for perfectionism like tied right. to my like evangelical roots? And you were like, is yes. it? I was like, is it? <laughs> is it? it? Is it? Is it? Is yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it, it is. Um, so I, anyway, so thanks for having me because I actually do like, I don't get the chance I feel like to talk through this stuff um, very often. So thanks for having me. Hopefully we didn't get too Christianese on people and they were able to kind of see. (laughs) To follow this train of thought. Follow this train of thought. Um, But if not, we'll talk about something other than Christianity next week. Uh, But it won't be the last time it comes up. That's for sure. So, hey, uh, we will talk to you next week. Mark will be back. Uh, Get on board the book club train. 
Um, all the cool kids are doing it. All the cool, stressed out ex-evangelicals are doing it. All the kids who really love to do homework in their free time. Mm-hmm. Have I told you about my book club? I'm making them all read their own book and then do a presentation on it in my other book club. So. You know, I was thinking recently, like, that's how we should do Zoom hangouts in general. Because, like, normally, you know, you get in, a, like, a Zoom hangout of a bunch of people and then it's, like, okay. And then we all just kind of, like, try to talk about stuff. Why don't we all just, like, prepare a presentation and <laughs> talk about it? Corey, that's what every Zoom call should be. I'm obviously not opposed to this idea. There's... <laughs> I've got so many templates saved just waiting for PowerPoints to be made. Let me tell you. All right, well, we'll, we'll set another one up soon then. Uh, and for all of you out there, stay spooky, friends. Yay! I don't have a catchphrase. I guess I should have come up with one before I started. Stay golden, folksy cools, keys, maduths. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't want to brag. All uh, right. Super stop cool and normal. <laughs> And super cool and neat. Finger guns. Pew, pew.